Kelly A from Texas says the angel membership has helped me tremendously to trust, trust my intuition, how to communicate with my angels and guides, to trust the messages I'm receiving and my sense of knowing. Oh, Kelly, Kelly A from Texas, I love you. Thank you so much. That was beautiful. Hello, beautiful souls. Welcome back to the Angels and Awakening podcast. I'm your host and author, Julie Jancis. And today we have a really, really fun guest and topic here. We have Samantha Fay, and she has a new book called The Awakened Dreamer. It's about lucid dreaming, astral travel. And I can't tell you how many emails I get from people saying, Julie, you were in my dream last night. Julie, you were helping me. And I have to say, every night before I go to bed, I ask God, um, please allow my soul to work in the way um, that you need or the way that I could best serve the collective. And so it's not surprising to get those emails, but it is really fun validation. Samantha, welcome to the show. Thank you. I'm so happy to be here. And, you know, I've gotten those emails from listeners too. And I find it absolutely intriguing to think about this idea that we are working when we're sleeping. So I call it like kind of light worker and night worker. You know, we do our our work during the day and then at night we do our work there as well. I love it. So talk to everybody and I want to cover first for people who don't understand these concepts. What are the differences between astral travel, lucid dreaming? And then I want to go deeper into the mechanics for those who are aware. But we'll start out with the fundamentals. What are the differences? So lucid dreaming is when you become aware while you're dreaming that you're dreaming. Mm -hmm. And so lucid dreaming can involve kind of archetypical or metaphorical experiences, or it can be something a little bit more esoteric, but it does involve this, this feeling that you get where you're like, oh, I don't think this is a dream. I'm actually awake and aware, but you still are, might be having a, a typical dream. Do you know what I mean? Like yes. where, where you're working through a nightmare or it might be a recurring dream. A lot of people become lucid when they have that typical flying dream. Yes. So Astral travel is different because that's that's your soul leaving your body. And it does happen. There are two types of astral travel. There is conscious ast astral travel, and that you can do when you're meditating. Um, it often happens in that hypnagogic state between mm -hmm. sleep and waking or between waking and sleeping. Um, that's conscious astral travel. It involves a lot of technique and meditation and trial and error and practice. But spontaneous astral travel often happens when we are sleeping. And that is when you can leave your body in the in the sleep state and visit with loved ones on the other side, do work like you were saying when you first opened the show, um, help cross over earthbounds or receive really important guidance and help for, from your team on the other side. That's amazing. So I have to ask you this because dream pretty intensely where I I remember that I've had dreams every night, um, but it almost feels and I had an auric reader tell me this in my 20s. He's like, you don't wake up feeling rested because you're doing so much work as you dream. And I have since then asked God, you know, please rest my physical body to the maximum degree possible, but still allow my my soul to be able to do this work. 
I find that a lot of times I'll wake up mid dream and and then I'll have to go back to sleep and fall asleep because it's like 2, 3 a.m. But then I go right back into the dream. Does that happen often? That does not happen often. It does happen, but it, a lot of people actually work with meditation to try and have that happen more. So it's fantastic that you're doing it on your own. Um, it does happen, but like I said, it can take a lot of practice with really working with your dreams and becoming more in tune with your subconscious and your energy and the way it works. But everything you described is so great because a lot of times people who report these experiences, they'll email me and they'll say, I wake up so tired. Like, what if I don't want to do this work at night? And I will always say, simply ask, you know, ask for a night off or, or say to God, like, hey, let my body just completely rest tonight. And that will usually happen. A hundred percent. When it comes to lucid dreaming, it seems like we have less control over lucid dreaming than astral travel. Is that correct? Um, yes and no. I think some people can spontaneously become aware that they're dreaming while they're in the dream state. But there are a lot of really cool techniques you can employ to enhance more lucidity in your dreams. So there's the wake back to bed method, for example, which is kind of similar to what you were saying before, but a really easy technique is to just set an alarm for an hour or two hours before you have to get up and then you wake up, you don't get out of bed, you don't move around a whole lot, you just allow yourself to fall back asleep. And very often that will trigger a lucid dream. There's another method that I thought I find very interesting that has been shown to increase lucidity. And that's where as you're falling uh, asleep at night, you do a backwards review of your day. So you start with your bedtime routine, you go to what you did that evening, you go to your dinner, you know, and so on until you get up to breakfast and when you woke up. But it has to be kind of minute and, and boring and detailed. And that has been shown for some reason, I don't really understand, to help in, increase a chance of having a lucid dream. Or simply saying to yourself throughout the day, I will remember my dreams or I will become aware in my dreams Mm -hmm. has shown to be helpful as well. So there's a lot of different techniques you can use to increase your chance of becoming lucid in a dream. And a lot of people say, well, why would I want to? I'm dreaming. Like, why, what is, why does it matter? Well, you can work through a lot of issues that you're having in your dreams. I think that so many times we suppress some stuff going on in our lives. Like, oh, I'll think about that later. Or I'm going to focus on work. Or I'm going to distract, distract myself with this podcast. But all of that comes out when we're dreaming. And sometimes we wake up and we're like, well, what did, what did that mean? Or what am I supposed to do with that information? Well, if you practice lucid dreaming, you can get guidance and information about those questions. That's amazing. So I began recording my dreams probably in my 20s. And I found that as I would like immediately wake up in the morning, remember I had the dream, sit down and write out what I could remember. So Samia, that when I would go through the rest of my day, it would almost be like I had flashbacks to the dream where I would remember even more details. And I think that that helped me kind of cultivate um remembering the dreams even more over time like the more you kind of build that muscle the easier it is but there are still times where uh, i i believe the angels and spirit team they're bringing through 
signs sometimes through the dream, almost like a deja vu where I could remember a dream, but not remember all of it. I'm going about my day and then something happens and I'm like, oh my God, I dreamt that last night. Yeah. I actually call that dream deja vu. Ah, I love it. Yes, that does happen. And what you're saying is exactly right. Like the more you start to work with your dreams, write them down, work with them, think about them when you're in the shower, when you're getting ready for work, the more you're going to recall details. And as you go throughout your day, little little snippets of that dream, if you forgot some of it, will start to come back to you. So yeah, I call that dream deja vu. And it's almost like your guides are saying, hey, this is important. We need to remember all of this, not just this mm-hmm. little piece. And a lot of people hearing this might go, oh my gosh, there's so much I have to do in a day. And now these ladies are telling me to write my dreams down too. Like I'm supposed to journal and I'm supposed to exercise. (laughs) But if you don't feel comfortable writing down your dreams, you can just do talk text, you know, open Mm -hmm. up your notes app on your phone. And when you wake up, hit the little microphone and just talk the dream in there. Mm -hmm. If you remember nothing, I still tell people, write down. I woke up today and remember nothing. But also include or at least think about what did I eat the night before? How did I sleep? What was I thinking about? Um, What's going on with the moon cycle? Like You just never know what's affecting your dream recall. So the more you do start to record them and think about them, the more you'll start to notice patterns that help you. So I work with a lot of people in my angel Reiki school to help them develop their spiritual gifts and um, their mediumship abilities, their angel communication abilities to bring through messages. And one of the things that I've noticed with dreams is that it's almost like as you're developing your gifts, the psychic ability, and I want to say like a psychic validation comes through dreams sometimes. I'll have it all the time where I dreamt something, wake up, and then there it is, like it's happening. For example, last year, I woke up one morning in the summer, I think 2021, and I had dreamt that the payment to my accountant hadn't been going through for months. And I woke up to an email from him saying, hey, we're so sorry, we're the accountants over here, but the payment hasn't been going through. And I was like, wow, it's just another validator of your gifts and abilities. Is there another reason that that happens, that you get that psychic validation in dreams? Yeah, I think there's a couple. Um, For me, Reiki was the trigger for me as well for really increasing my dreams. And I remember one of the first profound dreams I had after, uh, I think it was after Reiki 2. I had a dream. I went to bed and I woke up in my bed and there was an older gentleman standing next to my bed. He was dressed in denim jeans and a denim shirt and he had a red baseball cap on. and, And he said, come on out to your kitchen, darling. There's some people I want you to meet. And I said, okay. So I just followed him out there and my kitchen was filled with people. And he had like a little fatherly, you know, hand on my shoulder. And he was like, go on, darling, just shake their hand. They just want to, they want to show you something. And I was like, all right. So every time I shook (laughs) the person's hand in the dream, I would witness their last moments on earth. Wow. Very, very quick, like maybe, you know, one to four minutes, but I would be with them and their last moments. And, and he, I called him red red explained to me that a lot of times when souls have crossed over, but they haven't like when they died suddenly, 
they need a, a medium, like someone who's between the two worlds to kind of hold space for them and validate for them. Yes, you have actually crossed over. And so he said, we've been trying to come to you like this for years, but you were too afraid. You wouldn't mm. listen to us. You wouldn't hear us. And he was very proud of himself. He said, so I came up with this idea because it's not so scary in a dream, is it? And I said, no, no. I shook my head. No, I didn't really have a lot of words. I was so stunned. And he said, okay, darling. He said, you go back to bed now, but we'll be back. And I was like, okay. And so ever since then, I, I started having so many dreams that would often help me out with, with the readings. When I started actually doing readings the next year, I remember one dream I was just walking through like a college football stadium and there was a young man in a hunter green sweatshirt and he was waving to me and I looked up at him and, and I said like me, are you, are you pointing to me? And he said, yeah, he said, tell my mom I made it to college and I'm doing okay. And the next day a woman came in for a reading and she was very, she was very nice and very kind, but she was so grieving that she, it was very hard to read her. She kept putting up those blocks. You know what I mean? Of like, yeah kind of, I, I call them my Missouri cl clients, like show mm -hmm. me, you know, oh, yeah, the show me state. <laughs> yeah. Yes. And she had that kind of energy. And so I said, a, I said one or two things and she was like, mm, I don't know. And then all I saw was that dream. And I said, I don't, I'm having a very hard time connecting you to your people on the other side, but let me just tell you about this dream. I keep being reminded of as I'm sitting in front of you. And then she lost it. And she told me that her son had died of a, of a drug overdose the summer before he was to start college. And she said she still had that hunter green sweatshirt that was the um, sweatshirt of the college he was supposed to attend. And, and as soon as that happened, like then all her, her walls came down and I was able to link in and bring her son through much more clearly. And so dreams of that nature have helped me so much with not only my soul's growth and progression, mm -hmm. but helping other people too. Yeah, I love that. Friends, what if there was nothing stopping you from becoming abundant to the max in all things? Finances, time, nothing was holding you back from becoming your healthiest, happiest, most financially abundant self yet. Friends, Thanks to our annual and monthly angel members, we've been able to grant over $100,000 in partial scholarships so that souls who want access to life-changing teachings in the angel membership have that opportunity. And we have more partial scholarships to give. Don't let your egoic mind tell you that you're not worthy because the angels and I are here telling you, you are worthy. This is your year but I can't help you get where you're going if I'm not working with you in one of my programs. Become an angel member now. Go to theangelmedium.com, then the angel membership tab to sign up. If you need a scholarship, let us help you. Scroll to the bottom of the angel membership page and click the link for partial scholarship options. Links are in the show notes. And thank you. Thank you for coming together as a community. Thank you for contributing what you can each month. And thank you for helping us reach hundreds of deserving souls with life-changing teachings in the Angel Membership this year. This is going to be your best year yet. What about 
have you looked at um, visitation dreams at all? And and just really the different energies, because when you work in this profession, there is so much that's not written down. There's so much that's not talked about and that we're really expanding as healers in a very great way right now. Talk to us a little bit about maybe some aha moments or different cool things that you've learned yourself about visitation dreams as you worked with those as well. I think dream visitation dreams are one of the most amazing and impactful experiences we can have. You know, Dr. Julie Bichelle um, from the Windbridge Institute, mm-hmm. she talks a lot about how mediums can have, she calls them grief relief tools, you know, mm-hmm. that they can do so much to help us relieve our grief. I totally agree with her, but I think having your own experience with your loved one in a dream visit is incredibly powerful and healing and help and hopeful. It, it reminds when, when you have a dream visit with, with someone you lost, there's really no doubt. It, people don't wake up and go, oh, I think that was just a dream. No, because you feel them, you see them. Oftentimes you can touch them or hug them. I've had dreams. Uh, I lost a very dear friend um, of mine when he was in his late 20s named George. And the first time he came to me in a dream, my first instinct was to hug him. I was like, oh, George. And, and he said, no, no, you can't. He said, I haven't learned how to do that yet. And I said, you haven't learned how to do what? You, you're a great hugger. And he said, I haven't learned how to work my energy to meet your energy in the dream state in that way that we can hug. And I was like, oh, okay. And he patted the, the bench and he said, just sit next to me and we'll catch up. And I said, okay. And about six months later, I had another dream of George and he said, I've learned how to do it. He said, let's give, let's, let's have a hug. And so I think that they have to learn how to come to us in that dream state. And it takes them some time. Because they they don't have a physical body. They don't have a voice box. They don't have skin and, and hands the way they used to on earth. They're energy. And so they have to learn how to how to work in this liminal meeting space that that we're actually encountering them in to, to work with us that way. I had a client I was doing a reading for, and uh, she said her husband was coming through. And he said, tell her I'm sorry for scaring her in the dream. Oh. I passed on the message and she said, well, he should be. He scared the shit out of me. <laughs> I was like, oh, no, what is, what's happening? <laughs> but, um, but yeah, so he said that, that he had to learn how to work with his energy. And then he was able to come to her in a dream. So it was just wow. such a, I know, it was just so neat. I, my mother, my former mother-in-law came to me in a dream and I woke up in the dream hearing this huge, huge, loud crash in the living room. And I rushed out and it was my, my mother-in-law Maggie. And she said, uh, hold, hold me close, pick me up, Samantha. That took so much more energy than I thought. And I said, what did? And she said, coming through into your dream state, they didn't tell me it would take that much energy. And that means I don't have much time. Hmm. And so, and then she said, hold, hold my hands. I, she said, I have something important to tell you. And she said, listen to me, darling. It means nothing. Do you hear me? You're going to be okay. And I said, okay, Maggie, thank you. <laughs> like I, I didn't know what she was talking about. And then yeah. I just woke up. And um, that night I found uh, a lump in my breast. The next night I found a lump in my breast and found out that I had breast cancer. And luckily I caught it early and I'm fine. And I am, uh, what am I, 10, yeah, 10 years free. But having that that message the day before, it just saved me. And it, it just reminded me. I'm going to be okay. Cause she kept saying, it means nothing. You're going to be okay. It means nothing. You're going to be okay. So dream visits can be so helpful and healing and impactful 
uh, not only for relieving grief, but also for kind of giving us a heads up about precognitive things as well. Mm -hmm. One of the coolest stories that I had heard some like a, uh, there are three sisters uh, who lost their mom and we've had them on the show before. And two of the sisters were dreaming one night. One of the sisters, I don't remember exactly what was happening in the dream, but mom came to her in the dream and they spent some time together. And then she said, I see your sister. I have to go. I have to catch up with your sister. And then the sister said, the dreams almost are like two halves of the same whole. They fit together like a puzzle piece. And mom transferred from one dream over to the other sister's dream and and kind of came through in this just amazing way. Have you ever heard any other stories like that? I was just so fascinated by that. What other just really cool stories have you heard? There are some really interesting stories. There's, um, I've, I've heard a story of two brothers who dreamt on the same night that their mother died and they woke up that morning to the phone call from the hospital that their mother, who was elderly, had indeed passed that the night before. And then we have this concept of the shared dream experience where two people will have the same dream on the same night. Mm -hmm. And I think that's really phenomenal for showing that maybe our soul really is leaving our body when we sleep. Because if two people dream of being in a different location and they're there together and they see each other, and then the next day they're like, hey, I had this dream. I did too. I mean, that's, to me, that's very, very good evidence that we are soul traveling. Yeah, that's incredible. That's incredible. So share with us a little bit more about astral travel and the mechanics of it. So this is where we get more into meditation and we can learn to project our energy, project our consciousness to a different place. And that could be here in the physical realm or on the other side, correct? Yes. Yeah. There are different places that you can go to. And so many, I mean, Emmanuel Swedenberg, you know, years ago in the 1600s wrote about traveling to different locations on the other side. Of course, I think most famous today would be Robert Monroe, who wrote Journeys Out of the Body. And he describes different locales on the other side. And he developed this thing called hemisync, which I'm sure you're familiar with, where you, you know, there are two different um, frequencies are in each ear, and then it creates a third frequency in your brain that helps you to really relax and meditate and facilitate an astral travel experience. They're very similar to, to near-death experiences in many ways. When you have an astral body experience, an out-of-body experience, people describe first this kind of um, foreboding or fearful sensation that quickly passes. Then they describe this numbing, almost uh, sleep paralysis feeling that comes over their whole body. And then some people will describe a click sound. Other people will describe a feeling of almost like cords cutting in their body. Mm -hmm. And then poof, their soul is out of their body. They always describe a cord though, a cord of energy uh, what I find interesting is that many experienced astral travelers describe this cord in different locations. Most of us think of it in our solar plexus chakra, kind of where our umbilical cord is, but other people have described it as being at the back of the base of the brain. Others have described it as being where our third eye chakra is. 
So I find that interesting that it would differ. To me, it makes sense that it would be where our umbilical cord is. But anyway, they say that this cord is connected to our body at all times so that when you do go out of the body, there's no fear that you're going to be lost or you know rambling out there, that the cord will always reconnect you to, to your body. And once you're out of the body, people have described, it, it sounds like a ghost almost, you know, where like other living people can't see them. Their hands go through physical matter. They can walk through doors. They can leave their house. They can they can travel on all sorts of amazing journeys. And I, I just find that really interesting to think about. There's um, a Dutch psychologist who did not believe in any of this. And then her fiance died. And she describes how he appeared to her one day when he was when she was meditating and he pulled her out of her body and they traveled up out of her house and he showed her the other side where he was living, what it looked like. I, I just I mean, what can you imagine having that experience when you're grieving and going through loss? But there are stories like that. Many, many stories. Uh, there are stories of people who will astral travel, like like they'll tell a friend, I'm going to visit you, you know, at 2 a.m. tonight, leave a book on the bedside table. And they will travel to that friend's house and they will the next morning email or call them the title of the book that they have placed on their bedside table. Oh, I love that so much. That is incredible. Well, it reminds me too of a couple of different things. One is, I don't remember the name of the project, but the, I looked into it this year. The U.S. government, I forget if it was in the 70s or 60s, did some work with psychic individuals. This one that I read about was with a woman and she um, they would ask her to go into other government offices, like foreign government offices, and describe what people look like or describe like what the office looked like. And these people would go to these offices months later and it would look exactly as she described. It's just wild. One of the other things that was coming to mind is I do wonder if the cord connection is different for everybody. I wonder that too. Or I wonder, are there just a lot of cords connecting us? Mm -hmm. There was a doctor, um, Dr. Wiltsey in the, I think it was 1890 he was dealing with a really bad fever. He reported this to, I believe it was the St. Louis Medical Journal of Psychology. And when he, he was clinically brain dead for four hours, and he says that while he was clinically brain dead for those four hours, he felt several cords snapping, pop, 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 pop all over his body. And then he was out of his body and he wandered out of the hospital down a road and he saw all these boulders and rocks and there was like this cloud over them. And he heard a voice say, this is the boundary to the other side. You have to go back. And instantly he was back in his body and his doctors could not explain how he woke up and was healed and no brain damage, no, no issue at all. And so maybe there are many. Parts. Yeah. Well, and that makes more sense to me. That really resonates because as I work with people, you know, in a reading and their loved ones come through, oftentimes hundreds of loved ones have shown how hard it is at the end of a life to 
let go. And they describe kind of like this double Dutch energy. I'm in, I'm out, I'm in, you know, like, am I jumping in? Am I jumping out? Am I ready to to pass or am I not? And they say that it takes a lot of work to disconnect your energy from this life and release I think the cords of attachment, the cords of the attachment to the roles we are as mother, as partner, as friend, as sister, release the attachment to the identity of who we were in this lifetime and that truly this is all we're conscious of remembering in this lifetime. And and this attachment kind of to the fear of the unknown and and releasing that fear and being ready to accept and surrender, embrace our crossing over. Yeah, I agree 100%. My friend lost her father a couple of years ago and he died way too young. He was 65. And when I was trying to connect with his energy, I always like to ask like, what's it look like over there? What are you doing over there? And And he showed me a condo and this was not a condo guy. This was a guy you'd picture with like a cabin in the woods and a fishing pole or, you know, he was very much an outdoorsy guy. And I was like, a condo, I think I'm getting that wrong. And he showed (laughs) me, he showed me what you're talking about. He showed me a foot in both worlds. Mm -hmm. I am not going to fully acclimate over here until my wife joins me Mm -hmm. because he just was so worried and concerned about her. Yeah. Now, then there's other things I think that can happen. Um, My grandmother wasn't you know, the nicest person always. And and she died when I was 12. And when I was in my early thirties, I had a dream visit with her and she said she was having a very hard time with her life review process and kept putting it off. Mm -hmm. And so she said she needed our prayers. And I, I'd never heard of this. I later read a lot of Robert Moss's books and some other dream books and have heard this is very common to pray for the you know, the deceased and help them with their life review process. But at that stage in my journey, I wasn't, I just thought, well, if they've gone over, they've got their angels and guides to help them. What are they, what can we do? Right. But she said she needed our prayers. And so I called my whole family and I said, you know, we got to pray for Grammy. And so we did, we said rosaries for her. We said prayers for her. And two weeks later, I had another dream where she came back in my living room. She was glowing. She was beautiful. Her hair was in a French twist and all together. And she said, thank you so much. Those prayers worked. And then she just dissolved into a tube of light. Mm. I think it's a good reminder that, you know, they need our prayers too. I think that's why the Buddhist, you know, for example, will light a candle every day for their, and I think that's such a lovely, beautiful idea. I think we should all do that. Pray, pray for them and, and still talk about them and tell their stories. It helps them to fully cross over. It's interesting because I've been seeing that recently in my sessions and I haven't, you know, I've been doing my sessions for a long time now. And I think I counted it up. It's like over 7,500 already, which is awesome. And I had never seen this before, but they started showing me that some of them on the other side have the ritual of lighting candles for each family member who's still here on earth and praying and tuning into their spirit team, seeing how they can help. And that's kind of like their morning routine over there before they kind of step into their day. But that's beautiful. I thought that's, that's fascinating. Yeah. That prayer works both ways. Yeah. Yeah. And I mean, and why, why wouldn't it? Right. But it's just kind of, for me anyway, it's kind of a new concept. For sure. 
Okay, so give people steps. If they wanted to try astral travel, what are the steps or what is the process that they walk through to try this themselves? I think the hardest thing with astral travel is fear. Mm-hmm. And so the first thing people need to do is work on overcoming the fear the fear of the unknown, the fear of leaving their body, the fear of not being able to get back into their body, the fear of seeing something scary. They need to get over the fear. So I would recommend they try reading some astral travel books. Surely Robert Monroe's would be a great place to start, but Oliver Fox has a great one. Sylvan Muldoon has a great one. And what's your new book called? Mine's The Awake Dreamer. Um, there's wonderful YouTube uh, videos on it. Ryan, if you go to the Rhine online, they have classes on astral travel. Of course, the Monroe Institute does as well. So I think they need to get familiar with what this is before trying it so they can overcome the fear. But then what you want to do is lay down, you know, as you're falling asleep when you're tired and, but not super tired, you want to get that easy feeling and you want to close your eyes and visualize all of your energy compiling and joining into a point of light into like a bubble of light and see it just pop just visualize it popping out of the top of your head and visualize where you want to go and so you you want to try doing that you relax your whole body you know those techniques where you squeeze every muscle and then you release mm-hmm. it and you so that you're really really relaxing your body you want to focus on deep breathing And then you want to just visualize your energy as that point of light and see it going out the top of your head. Now, that's not going to work the first time. It might not work the 17th time. But the more that you do that and start to visualize and intend and and try to really make this happen, it's going to happen in in your dreams. And then you're going to be able to do it in conscious awareness as well. Um, For example, Oliver Fox, who I mentioned before, he wrote his astral travel book, I believe, in the 1920s. He tried this for 14 years before he went out of his body. Uh, whereas other people, I mean, Robert Monroe it was an accident. He was napping one day. He didn't mean for it to happen. It just did. And so it, it depends on the person. The studies have shown that if you're open-minded, if you're naturally intuitive, if you've done the work on overcoming fear and doubt, if your vibrations vibrate high naturally, do you know you know yeah. what I mean by that, right? If oh, you have yeah. a balanced diet and a balanced life and all of those things help increase your likelihood of having an astral travel experience. So when you tune in to your own intuition, it sounds to many people auditorily like hearing their own internal dialogue. When you astral travel, are you hearing your own internal dialogue? Are you still conscious of what's happening inside the body? Or do, does the consciousness truly feel like it's not in the physical body any longer? Well, I think that answer might be different for everyone. For me, it's almost like there are two of me. It's very strange. When I have these astral dream experiences, I'm aware of myself as the dreamer, and I'm aware of myself watching the experience take place. Perfect. Have you ever had that experience? Yes. That's why I wanted people to understand because I think a lot of people think that they didn't have an astral travel experience because they're still conscious of their physical body. However, um, you can still be conscious of your physical body. And conscious in your physical body and conscious outside of it at the same time. Yes, exactly. And and that can feel um, 
really, really strange. I, yeah. And I think what also I've noticed in these experiences is I know more in those astral dreams than the me here does. Mm -hmm. It's so, I don't know if it's a aspect of my higher self. I'm not really sure, but I get very quick and easy downloads of information. Uh, very often my guides are with me, even though I don't often see them. I It's more, I can feel them mm -hmm. and I can hear their guidance or their instruction. Um, yeah. so it's a really unique experience. And, and I think if anyone else has had it or would like to have it, they'll know. It doesn't feel like a dream. Um, the dreams are chronological, they're in color, they're vivid. There are some of these astral travel dreams I've had 15 years ago, and I still remember them like they happened last week. That's how That's vivid incredible. I love that. Well, and I think that what you're talking about, like, is you're connecting with all that is, right? And it's just like being in a reading. When you're in a reading, you don't know where the information is coming through or you've never thought of something in a way that that loved one on the other side is bringing it through and in the same way when you're connected in that realm of all that is information just can be with you in a heartbeat and it's just so fun you know that's such a great example to use because it is like doing a reading so if anyone has experienced that where the when you're in that zone of doing the reading, the information comes so fast. It's almost like it's already there. Mm -hmm. Do you know what I mean? It's like you 100%. have to catch it and like you talk faster and it's just, and it's not coming from you. It's coming through you. Mm -hmm. um, and you can usually feel your guides there with you or your the person you're connecting with their guides. And so, yeah, you're exactly right. I never really put that together, but it is very, very similar. That's awesome. Samantha, thank you so much for being on the show today. I appreciate you so much. Tell everybody where they can find your book. I will. Thank you for having me. And I can't wait to have you on our show as well. Yay. So you can find my book at samanthafay.com, F-E-Y. You can find it at any bookstore, uh, Amazon Target, you know, Books A Million, Barnes & Noble, your local bookseller, hopefully but it's called The Awake Dreamer. Oh, I love it so much. That's fantastic. Thank you so much for being here, Samantha. Thank you. I hope you have a great day. You too. Thanks. Beautiful soul, thank you so much for joining me today. My name's Julie. You know I'm all about connecting you with messages from your angels and loved ones on the other side. If you've been listening today and you're super excited and just have to know which angels are around you right now, who's connecting with you, and what messages they have for you, go to theangelmedium.com. Register for a session. You can do a reading with me or a member of my team. We're all incredible. We all talk to angels daily, and we can help you in making sure that your angels are doing the very best they can to support you and guide you to your best life. If this sounds like you, virtual sessions, they're only offered on my website. Sign up today. And if you're the person who's really excited, you're ready to go all in developing all of your unique spiritual gifts, growing your intuition, starting your own healing business, you can sign up for my Angel Reiki School to become a certified angel messenger. That's for the healers among us who feel called to grow their intuition to the max and serve humanity with their gifts. 
You'll learn Reiki, mediumship, how to deliver angel messages, and how to get clients. That's the Angel Reiki School at theangelmedium.com or DM me on Instagram at angelpodcast with any questions. Before you go, connect with your angels by placing your hands on your heart. Take a deep breath. Imagine a doorway filled with God's unconditional love is right in front of you. Step into that love and feel it as it fills your body, chakras, and auric field. Now ask your angels, what would you have me know today? And open yourself to the positive, loving messages they have just for you.